Welcome to Sightseeing Japan, the podcast where we explore the land of winter illuminations. I'm Paul Bresson. And I'm Jason Neeling. And today our topic is Christmas in Japan. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Jason-san. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you as well. Thank you. So you might be thinking, what do you mean Christmas in Japan? Japan is Buddhist and Shinto generally. What? what why would they celebrate Christmas? That's, that's crazy. Well, Christmas is not a religious holiday in Japan. Oh, that makes more sense, I guess. Yeah, more of a cultural thing. Just about the uh, the whole atmosphere of Christmas cheer. That idea has made its way over there. Yeah, it's a commercial thing as well. And a romantic thing. Yeah, although if you wanted to find a Christian church in Japan and go to a Christmas mass, those do exist. They're around. Because even though it's not super common, about 1% of the population of Japan still practices Christianity. So that's a thing. But for most people celebrating Christmas in Japan... The religion has nothing to do with it. Yeah, it's only widely been celebrated in Japan for the last few decades, and it's not a national holiday. Businesses are open. However, most schools happen to be out for their winter break at that time. Yep. So we're doing an episode about Christmas in Japan because it's become kind of a big deal. You'll definitely notice that it's Christmas season in Japan if you're over there during that time. Yeah, definitely. And they've come up with a bunch of their own traditions that are not really familiar to us in America. We don't, we don't quite celebrate Christmas the same way they do in Japan at all. Of course, because it's Japan. Yep. And they're always going to put their own little twist on it. That is very true. And that's why we love them so. Yes, we do. <laughs> now, if we were going to hop in our Wayback Machine and go all the way back to the earliest beginnings of Christmas in Japan... Where would we find ourselves? We're going to go all the way back to the Sengoku period. Ooh. The Warring States period. We've talked about that before. That was around the late 1400s till around 1600. And uh, Christmas was first brought to Japan by the first Christian missionary in Japan by the name of Francis Xavier. There's a certain logic to that. Yep. So he, he was actually a really important missionary in Asia he didn't just bring Christianity to Japan, but to a bunch of Asian countries. Oh, wow. Yeah, he has a pretty long Wikipedia page. <laughs> okay. I was not expecting that. Yeah, so he brought Christianity to Japan, and the first Christmas service was held in 1552. Oh, wow. Yep. Of course, in the Edo period, we've mentioned before that the Tokugawa shogunate persecuted Christians out of fear that they would try to overthrow the government. So... Christianity pretty much disappeared in Japan, at least outwardly. There might have been people practicing in secret, but he didn't want to be known as a Christian in that time period. Right. But after the Meiji Restoration, Christianity was allowed again in 1873, and Santa was introduced in 1874, apparently. Santa-san, as he's known in Japan. Yeah. Mr. Santa. Mr. Santa. Uh, in 1904, department stores started putting up Christmas trees, and a lot of these Christmas traditions that we're going to be talking about started developing throughout the 1900s. And things really got a big boost in the 1980s, which was a very prosperous time in Japan. And commercialism boosted the idea of Christmas even more than ever. Magazines started to advertise the concept of Christmas being a day for romance, which kind of defines what it has become today. So there you go. Here's some history. 
<laughs> thanks. That You're was welcome. awesome, Jason. Oh, thanks. I did my best. <laughs> well done. So let's talk about the Christmas season in Japan. Yeah. Leading up to Christmas, what type of things are you going to be able to see and experience? Yeah, a lot of stuff. And this season starts right after Halloween because there's no Thanksgiving in Japan to break up <laughs> the, the Halloween season from the Christmas season. Yeah, November 1st. Yeah. And I mean, immediately you're going to start seeing decorations all over the place, any shopping malls, public places, you're going to start to see Christmas trees, a lot of lights. And uh, in the intro, Paul mentioned winter illuminations. Those are really big things. We're not just talking some Christmas lights here and there or like trees being lit up outside. These are like big events. Yeah. Like every mall, most public parks, even famous landmarks like Tokyo Station is known for having lights that are extensive and beautiful. Yeah. Pretty much any decent sized city is going to have like a dedicated place for a major light display. Any big shopping district or shopping street is going to have an impressive display. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. And a lot of them are free, but there are ones that you'll actually have to pay to get into. And there could be a really long line. Like these are popular things. Yeah. There's a really famous one in Roppongi area of Tokyo. Yeah. There's a three minute show that's free uh, in the Starlight Garden there. Yeah, that looks like a cool place. So I thought this was kind of cool. Ode to Joy from the fourth movement of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, a very famous song. I mean, even in, in the U.S., like you would recognize Ode to Joy, but it's perhaps even bigger in Japan. Like it's really popular around the Christmas season. You'll hear it played all over. Yeah, it's so famous in Japan. It's simply known as Daiku, which means number nine. And it's so associated with the winter holiday season, very much so in Japan. Yeah, it's thought to have been first sung in Japan at Christmas by German prisoners of war in World War I. And yes. that's why it became popular in, the, in Japan just over time after that, like it became associated with that season. And you may be wondering, why were there German prisoners in Japan during World War I? And why was Japan even involved in World War I? I think Paul's going to tell us because he's very much into history. Yes. with it, Paul. What's, what's Germany up with that? had colonies in the Pacific, and Japan sided with the Allies and attacked these colonies to gain land. And so they had some German prisoners. Nice. Thank you, Paul. End of story. <laughs> well, that's informative. I know and barely anything about it. A century World War I. later, we've got Ode to Joy. So thank you, Germans, for spreading some culture. Yeah. Yeah. So choirs all over the country perform it now in German. And I even saw there's a choir in Osaka that's called the Number Nine Chorus after that song. And that What's, choir has over 10,000 people in it. Yeah, that's crazy. That's a pretty big choir. I'm not sure how that could even work. 10,000 people singing that song at the same time would be a really wild experience. I mean, I, I can't even imagine like how you would pack all that many people together so that they could sing at the same time. Like on one end of the choir, the delay from the other end of the choir, just, you know what I'm talking about? The amount of time that the singing takes to get all the way across the choir yeah, the would be the speed really, of sound. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe they're conducted over TV or something so they can all be. stay in time. But depending on where you're standing, yeah, you're going to be hearing 
all the sounds going to be getting to you at different times. Yeah. That would be just, I think it'd be really cool to hear all that sounds. Definitely. Where would you even put 10,000 people to perform? Like you can't just stick them on a normal size stage. Yeah. I feel like they must be just like stretched out on like a street or some big public plaza or something. I didn't I see where they performed. But yeah, me either. I saw that. I was like, that's like the coolest thing ever. Pretty big choir. That would be a unique sonic experience, I think. Absolutely. What else do they have around the Christmas season, Paul? Uh, it's very popular to go to the Christmas season at Tokyo Disneyland. Yeah, yeah. They have decorations and parades, all sorts of Christmassy stuff from the second week in November all the way up until Christmas Day. Yeah, and I think we should point out all of this Christmas season stuff goes through Christmas Day and then it's done. The 26th, it's all gone because they're getting ready for New Year's. Yeah, New Year's is real important in Japan, so they're going to be preparing for that in those days leading up to it. Well, yeah, so at Disneyland, you're going to see fireworks. I saw that they have a special Christmas menu. Ooh, it's always nice to get seasonal food. Yeah, uh, they have special Christmas merchandise, and even Santa Claus himself, Santa-san, you'll find at Tokyo (laughs) Disneyland. Uh, Christmas markets are also a big thing in Japan, that started out as a European thing. I actually went to one of those in France, right by the Eiffel Tower, right before Christmas. Those are pretty fun. That's awesome. Yeah. And it sounded like the ones in Japan are pretty similar to the ones in Europe because... Uh, yeah, they're European themed. Yeah, you're going to see mold wine. I definitely saw that yeah. in France. They'll be selling Christmas stuff, treats and ornaments and... Handmade ornaments for your trees. Yeah. Hot cider, hot chocolate, beer. Good time. (laughs) And food, of course. Yeah. And if you're looking for one of those, there's a big one in Hibiya Park in Tokyo from December 16th to the 25th, open from 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. every single day. And it makes sense that that would be pretty similar to the ones in Europe because that one is sponsored by the German Tourism Association and the German Embassy. Yeah, and they actually import a 14-meter-tall Christmas tree from Germany to display in the market. 14 meters. Yeah, that's a huge tree. It is. Yeah, if you're looking for some authentic European flair in Japan, that's the place to go. Yeah, they have Christmas workshops there where you can make your own ornaments and stuff. They have live performances with choirs and music. Nice. Just sounds like a really good time if it you're does. in Tokyo the couple weeks leading up to Christmas. Yeah. Do we really have Christmas markets here? I don't feel like you really see those. There might be some cities that do, but I don't recall seeing one around here. Yeah. Well, we had, uh, remember the Holodazzle? It used to be a parade, I think. Parade, yeah. And now, I went to the Holodazzle like a few years ago, and it seems like now it's almost evolved into a Christmas market sort of thing. Okay. They have these little white tents, people selling Christmassy food, and they got the a big tent of German Christmas decorations and stuff. Yeah, there's enough German people around here. You, you think, think? We, you think we'd have something like that? Yeah. I think we need to make Christmas markets more of a thing in the U.S., though. We're missing out. All right. Let's start with this here in Central Park. Sounds good. Um, let's see. Shopping. Shopping is not a big thing around Christmas because people don't really exchange Christmas presents all that much in Japan. At least not to like all of your friends and family like they do here in the U.S. Yeah. Um, so if you're looking for shopping, you might want to wait until after New Year's. Then you might see a lot of sales popping up starting like January 2nd. Yeah. Got to get those New Year's sales. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Christmas cards has become a thing in Japan. Sending those out to your friends and family. Yeah, not as big as New Year's cards, though. We're going to talk in, in our New Year's episode, not to spoil it, but that's the next episode. We're going to talk about how New Year's cards are a really big thing. But I saw like Christmas cards exist in yeah. Japan, but they're, it doesn't seem like they're super widespread. I actually think I found somebody lived in Japan that said they sent out Christmas cards and all their friends thought they were really weird for doing that. <laughs> yeah, it's like becoming a thing, but I, I never saw that it was like widespread or anything. Yeah. But and maybe it's something that you like hand out to your friends when you see them or something to have some fun. Yeah. Maybe. Something you can have some fun with. Yeah. So in Japan, Christmas Eve is actually the more important and more widely celebrated day than Christmas Day is. Yeah, definitely. Christmas Eve is the most romantic day of the year. You could pretty much compare it to Valentine's Day here in the U.S. Yeah. Couples go on dates and exchange presents with each other. Mm -hmm. But families don't. Just, just those lovers. Yep. And if you get a present, you can't just tear it open, can you? Yeah, don't act like a savage. You have to show respect for the wrapping and the person giving you the gift. Right. By opening it very carefully and saving the wrapping paper and yep. ribbons. Don't rip it. And the gifts will often be beautifully, intricately wrapped. Yeah. Gift giving is a really big thing in general in Japanese culture. And they go all out, even with the way that they're wrapped. Yeah. So couples will go out on Christmas Eve. And it's very common to go take a stroll, look at some of the beautiful Christmas lights. Yeah, those illuminations we were talking about. Yep. And then usually a dinner at a restaurant. And the restaurants are going to be full, booked full in advance. Yeah. You got to be on your game to get a table on Christmas Eve. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, same as Valentine's Day here. You're going to want to book that way in advance. You know... I saw, I think it was some, some guy's blog, like some American guy that was living in Japan, and he talked about his first Christmas there, and he had a girlfriend, and she like, I went up to him on Christmas Eve, and he could tell that she was expecting something, and he's like, uh, what's up? And she's like, are we doing something tonight? What are we doing? And he's like, uh, I, should we, do you want to go out for dinner? And she lit up, you know, that was what she was expecting. <laughs> He's like, okay, yeah, let's let's go to dinner. But of course, he hadn't made a reservation. He didn't know what was going on. So he shows up. I just feel for this guy. <laughs> I know. He's just wearing like jeans and a t-shirt and she's all dressed up, ready for yeah. a night out. And he brings her to like a burrito place or something, he said. And she was just... <laughs> <laughs> oh, so disappointed. Yeah. Oh. Man, where was this guy's buddies? Where's this guy's co co-worker? Where's this guy's <laughs> like uh, fellow students or whatever he was doing that's like... Hey, did you know what we do on Christmas Eve? Like, no one was looking out for this guy. Yeah. <sighs> they just left him hanging and it blew up in his face. Yeah, it sounded like it really did. <laughs> I mean, imagine being over here and like not doing anything for your girl on Valentine's Day. I know. <laughs> like, you're just completely oblivious that it's even a thing. You're finally like, what, you want to go get some food? All right. You take her to Burger King or whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Well, I'm sure he had something really awesome planned for the next year, assuming the relationship lasted that long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He learned his lesson, I bet. Yeah. Uh, but if you're unlucky enough to be alone on Christmas, 
may as well stay inside because that's not going to be fun walking around seeing all the happy couples. <laughs> yeah. You go try to eat anywhere, you got to wait in line forever and it's just happy couples everywhere on dates. Like, yeah. doesn't sound very fun yeah. for a, the single person. Yeah. But seriously, a lot of bars and clubs are open and those are going to be popular for single people on Christmas Eve. I've read that that is a good place to find someone to hook up with if you're into that because that's where all the lonely souls are. And I, I also even it. saw that in the weeks leading up to Christmas, it's a lot easier to get a boyfriend or girlfriend just because everybody doesn't want to be alone on Christmas. So you got to grab somebody before that. You got to have that Christmas date so you can post that photo on Instagram and show everyone that you're living the life. Exactly. <laughs> uh, let's see. You might be wondering about Santa. Does Santa come on Christmas Eve? He does, apparently. I don't know how widespread that is, but I did see that Santa will come to give gifts to children. But there is one little problem with that. And what's that? Well, Santa usually comes down through the chimney, but they don't really have chimneys in Japan. Not really a thing. Well, how does Santa get in? Well, apparently he's seen more as just a magical ghost. Okay. Can just pop up with a bunch of goodies. Sure. He doesn't need a, doesn't need a chimney. That's as believable as a guy with a pot belly getting down a chimney. <laughs> Good point. So Japan has a couple unique food traditions related to Christmas. Yeah. The first one being Christmas cake. It's sold on practically every street corner in Japan during the Christmas season. Yeah, sounds like it's all over the place. And what type of cake is it? Basically, it's a strawberry shortcake sort of thing. You got like a sponge cake with strawberries and whipped cream on top. Might be decorated with some Christmassy sort of decorations, trees. Santa himself. Topped some with some perfectly shaped strawberries. Oh, yeah. Japan's all about those perfect fruits. Yeah. So the cakes look amazing, and it's that beautiful light sponge cake with the not-too-sweet whipped cream frosting, mm -hmm. and then the strawberries adding that little extra kick of, like, sweetness. Yeah. It sounds so good. It does. And Japanese desserts are really good because they're not overpoweringly sweet, you know? There's a good balance, I feel like, in Japanese desserts. Yeah. Christmas cake has become such a part of Japanese culture. It's so widespread. Mm -hmm. And I read that part of it is that Christmas cake is a symbol of commercialism and prosperity to the Japanese. Hmm. After World War II, the U.S. soldiers occupying Japan handed out a lot of sweets and candy and the kids really like looked up to that as like a sign of American wealth and prosperity, hmm. which is kind of how like desserts got associated with prosperity. Hmm. As the middle class grew in Japan in the 50s and then blew up in the 60s, being able to have cake like that became an expression of their newfound wealth. That's cool. And it's just kind of become intertwined in that way, celebrating Christmas like the Americans do. Because we can now. Interesting. So I guess that popularized the idea of Christmas cake, but I actually saw that the origins of Christmas cake goes all the way back to 1922. Oh, wow. Yeah. There was a confectionery manufacturer, Fujiya, who marketed the cakes with the tagline, Christmas ni keiki o tabemashou, which means let's eat cake on Christmas. <laughs> sounds and, good to me. Yeah. Apparently Japan was like, yeah, let's do that. And now big thing. That's funny. 
And Christmas cake is not the only food that got really big on Christmas thanks to some slick marketing, is it? (laughs) No, it's not. The most popular Christmas meal in Japan is fried chicken, specifically Kentucky fried chicken, KFC. It's got to be from KFC. And how did that become so popular in Japan? Well, the first KFC manager in the country was a guy named Takeshi Okawara. And apparently the idea came to him in a dream. He had a dream that they should sell a party bucket on Christmas. So in 1974, there was a major ad campaign called Kentucky for Christmas. And the rest is history somehow. I don't know. I mean, that, that was a super, super successful marketing campaign. Yeah. I saw that every year now, 3.6 million Japanese families get their Christmas meal from KFC. Yeah. That's crazy. It is crazy. I mean, it's so popular that families have to place orders up to six weeks in advance for their bucket of fried chicken, and then they might still have to wait in line for hours on Christmas to get it. That's wild. It is. It is very wild. And you might wonder, like, where did that association even come from besides this guy's dream? But apparently it's just because he saw that Westerners were associating Christmas with like the turkey dinner. You heard people talking about the turkey dinner, but there aren't turkeys in Japan. So chicken's the closest thing, I guess. The next best thing. Yeah, I got to eat a bird on Christmas, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. Yep. Well, that's all I got for Christmas in Japan. Yeah, this was a slightly shorter episode than usual, I guess. But we have families, too. We're taking a little time off to spend some time with them. Nice little fun, easy Christmas episode. Yeah. We hope you had fun learning about some Japanese customs. And uh, Paul, what's, well, I guess I already said what our next episode is, but I'll pretend I didn't. Paul, (laughs) what's up next time? We'll be talking about New Year's in Japan. Yeah. A very, very important holiday to the Japanese people. Definitely. Perhaps the most important holiday. And there's, I mean, the customs go so deep. And so far back, that's going to be a long episode, I think. Yeah. So enjoy your Christmas. Enjoy the rest of the week. We'll see you next year. Yeah. Happy holidays, everyone. No matter what holiday it is that you do or do not celebrate. Thanks for listening. And again, happy holidays.